Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. I'm your host, professional and personal relationship consultant. This is Udall. And you're listening to Cut the Crap with Udall, where we transform professional and personal relationships one conversation at a time. Today, we are using a new format for our show where we're doing a 30 minute show for work relationships, and then we'll be doing a 30 minute show for uh, personal relationships. The personal relationships show will be on Friday afternoon at 6 p.m. And if you've caught us uh, on the fly, if you notice our Monday morning work at 8 a.m., hopefully we'll catch you on your commute in or right when you get to work and you can tune in to us uh, for 30 minutes. Send us feedback about the show on our Facebook page at Cut the Crap uh, with you all. Also, connect with us uh, through email, Udall at Cut the Crap with Udall. That way we can make sure that we actually uh, schedule, I mean, schedule, but we actually shape our show to best serve you, uh, the listeners. So you can call into our show, actually. The number is 619 924 0984. Feel free to call in. Ask questions, share your comments about the topic of the hour. And our topic of the half hour, (laughs) let me change that a little bit. Our topic of the half hour today is actually bringing soul to work. This is a topic that uh, actually is a part of a lot of my life work. It's what I'm getting, I'm doing my PhD on aspects of soul into work. And so, I'm just going to give you a bit of something that came to mind uh, the other day that I thought was to talk about. And so let's get through this right away so we can make sure that you can get it on your work day. So every relationship that you have at work actually is a relationship that it's a part of the process. And even though sometimes I think we hate to think about that because we're actually at a job, you may not consider it to be a career, it's just something that you're doing temporary, or something that you actually hate doing, and you go, ugh, you know, why should this impact me? You know, it's the way I'm just making money and so forth. But the mere fact that you're there in the relationship, that you're there in a particular workplace, that you're there with those particular people is not coincidental. The reason you have the relationships around you that you do work is because those relationships are your teaching tool. Those relationships are a part of your learning process about who you are who other people are as well, but definitely about who you are on an emotional, spiritual, mental level. Every relationship that we're in is a mirror to our soul. If you are really 
disliking someone at work. I mean, you can't stand them. You absolutely despise them. You hate them. There's nothing you really like about this person. But you prefer not to even talk to them if you didn't have to. If you really dislike someone at work, if you really hate them, if you really can't stand them, if you really like find it so hard to tolerate them, there's a chance that there's something for you to learn from that relationship. So take a deep breath. Relax. And then ask yourself questions. Has have you ever shown up with someone in the way that person shows up with you? And it may not be at work. You know, you may have shown up with someone like that in your family. You may have shown up with someone like that um, in a love relationship. You may have shown up with someone like that just out in general in public and interactions, you know, as you go about your day. Just a question to ask. Did you have uh, an experience in the past, you know, where those behaviors showed up before? If there's some kind of pattern, uh, such as there's a situation previously or this type of person shows up in your life regularly or this type of behaviors that someone's doing in your life on a regular basis, is there a pattern going on that shows up for you? Because patterns are definitely a sign of this thing for you to look at examining and a possibility of something for you to learn from. Sometimes the most painful and the hardest relationships are our best teachers. I remember a situation that at least seven, eight years ago, and it was a situation, but it was a situation that I was, I was with for about a year and a half. And there was a particular woman that I was working with, and in the beginning, we got along very well. As a matter of fact, come uh, a manager or project manager of the project I was working on, because that was someone working on the project. When the project manager left, she said, oh, you should be a project manager. We highly support you. Uh, We had a, a a very good working relationship. But as soon as I took the project management, the situation became ridiculously awful. It was a situation which almost everything that I did, she had an issue with. We battled back and forth. Uh, A lot of email tirades from her and on. I attempted to be as emotionally content as possible in the situation. And I found myself having to step back and look at what did she mean to me. And what I mean by that is I have to step back and actually examine myself. I have to step back and really lay out all of her behaviors and say, you know, why is it that this bothers me so much? What is it that bothers me? And so often what we do is when we're examining um, our 
life or behavior or a relationship that we're in, it's so easy to immediately look at the other person and say, you are like this or they are like this, they're doing this to me or they're upsetting me, they're mad. First and foremost, no one can make you anything. The first point. But second, we don't look at ourselves. We put it on the other person as being the issue. And as I said a minute ago, all relationships are a mirror of us. So if our relationships are us, then we have to actually look at ourselves in order to mend the relationship. And you may say, well, I don't want to mend the relationship. Well, at work, because we're specifically talking about work right now, your work life, your work day, your productivity, everything will be so much easier and more effective if the relationships are working effectively. And so I'm not talking about you have to like anyone, you don't have to love them, anyone at work, but it's about having an effective relationship at work. So I've worked with many people I didn't like, but we had very good effective relationships. So they're not people I would have spent time with outside of work, um, didn't necessarily didn't go to lunch with them at work either. So they were people that I had a relationship with at work were able to get the job done. So getting back to the situation with this woman, when I stepped back and looked at myself and some of the behaviors that she was doing, I realized this was a learning experience for me because I had someone who was by one of them is that this person was insecure. They needed to feel as they were there. They felt threatened by my, uh, by what I brought to the table. So I had to step back and look at myself and say, okay, has this been before? When I'm in a similar situation? And then really look at, so what am I to learn from this, and how can I be in this? What can I? What am I contributing to this in making the relationship? And it actually took a lot of work on my part to get to a point where I could not feel challenged. Believe me, a lot of work. <laughs> where I didn't rise to the challenge or rise to um, to feeding into her frenzy of, of competition where I um, – and <laughs> it took a lot not to, to have this energy of dislike while being in the workplace around her. So I found myself meditating every day. <laughs> I found myself listening to soothing and relaxing music in order to make sure that I stayed in a particular frame of mind. And I did a lot of other things as well. I even worked with a coach to make sure that I was handling the situation effectively. 
I work with a coach. Uh, he, we talk every morning. Well, not every morning. We talk like once a week to make sure that I was taking actions to be able to handle this situation effectively. And one of my goals was to make sure that I actually learned from this relationship and integrated that learning into my life because I said to myself, I don't want to repeat this pattern again. I don't want this kind of person to show up in my life again. So therefore, I'm going to learn from this situation. I said earlier that you know, one of the things to look at is when you're looking at your relationships and support, looking at your culpability in a relationship, is to really look back at your life and determine has this kind of person or this type of situation showed up in your life before? If it showed up previously, then it's definitely a situation that's asking for you to learn from it and to begin to understand more about who you are and to grow in a relationship. This is your soul saying, I want to, I want to learn from this, and this takes you on the next level of your journey. So I'm going to leave you with seven relationship keys that can help you on the soul journey in the workplace. Key one is relationships require attention. Think that we can just be and, you know, all of our relationships at work can just flourish and flounder. We just hate, we just come to work, you know, we just work for a while and, and we don't have to put anything really into the relationship work. But relationships work require nurturing. So networking at work. So networking is about actually meeting different people who could possibly support us or we could support them. But actually, in actuality, relationships require nurturing. Those relationships you network with, they require attention and effort from all parts of uh, because the most effective relationships are actually built on your being able to take. So all your relationships at work require attention, particularly the ones uh, on your direct team. A key, a second key, you're only one person. So the kinds of relationships that show up your workplace, you may want to look back at home because they may be a similar kind of relationship that's showing up at home as well. And I often hear people, particularly people who are um, minorities or people of color or women, they may say to me when I'm coaching them that, you know, I'm a very I'm here at work. It's very different from the person I'm at home. Something to consider, it's very hard to divide yourself into two people. And actually, it's actually possible. So if you are a different person than the person you are at work and you are at home, I ask you to ask yourself, why? What are you afraid of? Is there something you're doing at home that you shouldn't be doing? <laughs> or better yet, is there, are you leaving the best parts of yourself at home? Are you leaving some bad parts at home? Bad parts at home, why are there bad parts? And why do you consider them to be bad, bad, bad parts? You know, what kind of assessment do you You're saying that this is bad or this is 
service, that you're putting a certain value on something, to wake up and actually take a look at yourself and look at why or do you have this divide. But what I will say and leave you with on that particular key is that the self-image takes so much energy. So it's very hard to show up really effective in either place if you're dividing yourself into two people. Key three, say status quo. Maintaining status quo is much harder than embracing change. And I run into people in the workplace so often that have a very, very hard time changing. I've actually brought in to, uh, I've been brought in to coach people who have a hard time with change. One little tip, and you probably have heard this, change happens time. Every minute of you're changing because you're shedding skin. I know this sounds gross, but you are. But change happens all the time. Nothing is actually static and constant. But because we do routines, we tend to get hung up on not like in change. If you go into the same workplace, you have the same work people around, you follow the same kind of routines, you do the same kind of work every day, and then when someone asks you to do something different, it becomes an issue because you're, you don't like me. But change is. So what are you sacrificing to maintain the status quo? It's something to consider. When change comes to you, ask yourself, if you find that you are resisting, ask yourself why. But the question to ask yourself is not why am I resisting. The question to ask yourself is what do I think about this change? The resistance behind resistance is usually the fear. And so you have to ask yourself, what do I fear about this new, this different way of doing or being? And then you'll be able to make some changes. Key four, choice is an option. We've all been gifted with the power of choice. We can choose who we are in relationship with in terms of workers, job. And you may say, I can't choose my coworkers. I'm not the supervisor. People get hired in here all the time who are different than me. But you do have choice about actually working at the place that you're working. And you're probably saying, no, I don't. I don't have a choice. I have rent to pay. I have a mortgage to pay. I have all these bills to pay. Well, I don't have a choice. I have to work. Well, that wasn't what I said. What I said was, you have a choice about where you work. You might say, no, I don't. You know, it's not a job out here. But you, have a choice. you don't have to work at that place if you don't want to. And you say, no, I, do have a cho- I don't have a choice. Well, actually, you do. You don't have to work where you work. You don't have to pay your bills. You don't have to do things. You have a choice. You may not like the risk of the choice that you make. You've made the choice to work there because you want to pay the bills. You don't have to work there. So it's something to consider. That major burden off of your mind is to admit that you don't that, that you have choice. But oftentimes we don't like to say that we have choice because if I indicate I have no choice, then I don't have to be accountable and take responsibility 
for my choices. That's what I meant when I said earlier that no one can make you do anything because you always have choices. Or no one makes you mad. No one makes you upset. No one makes you angry. No one makes you go to the job that you're due every this morning or this evening or any time that you first do the work. There isn't anyone who makes you. You made a choice to do that. So since you made a choice to do that, now you have to live with that choice. You are accountable. You are empowered. Key five, wake up. I should have said that more like, wake up. (laughs) Wake up. All of the conversation that I'm doing this morning, all of it's about being self-aware and conscious of how you are in the world and what is going around with you and what's important and the importance of being able to other workplace. If you're asleep at the wheel, you're run off the road. Or what's that saying, you know, quotes and stuff, what's it about if you don't know where you're going, if you don't, yeah, that's going, setting your vision, then you don't know how to get there. So wake up and smell the roses, the coffee. Look, be aware as to what's going on with you. And you may say, okay, I'm doing that in my personal life, but do it at work too. That is life. Your work is also your life. Your life is not just you're at home. And you know what's interesting? The younger generations, I don't think we like a lot of older generations like my generation. I don't think we care for it, but the younger generation are embracing that more so. Because the younger generation are, are of a 23-year-old and 19-year-old. And the younger generation, when I talk to them, when I talk to their friends, I'm discovering that they're very much into, I want to enjoy my work and my friends. They're very to the work balance. Um, we find that in the things that are going on around the country. If you go to the larger cities, you'll notice that their larger cities are reviving uh, because of the jobs are in the primary cities. The younger generations want to live within the city. They want to be close to their jobs. They don't want to do the long commutes that they saw their parents do. They want to be able to go out hang out with their friends, restaurant build, um, the restaurant businesses are booming. I'm here in the area that I'm in, in the Washington, D.C. area. It's amazing the apartments and the condos that are going up close to the metro and the restaurants that are building underneath apartments and so forth. It's, it's, a, it's interesting to watch this trend that's happening where everyone's becoming to the point of I'm conscious that I'm in the world, want to be in good relationships at work and good relationships at home. Key six, keep this in mind at work. Everyone wants to be loved. Every one of us has a need to be loved. Our soul wants to be loved. We're, we're all uh, looking for that ultimate love. So you may say you have coworkers who want attention, 
it's about maybe what they're at home. It, and the need may not be conscious. For some people, it needs to surface, and it shows up in unexpected ways when they're interacting with people. So I'm not talking about uh, romanticness of love or the romantic notion of love, as you may can tell. I'm talking about this power of connection, the desire we have with other people. So ask yourself, are you willing to connect with the people at work? And it doesn't mean that you have to go out, share with them your private life. It's the difference between being personable with people and sharing all of your private life. Sometimes there's too much. Do not share at work. There is a balance with the sharing. Okay. Key seven, emotional competence necessary. Whether it is anger or joy, we have to deal with emotions, ours and others, and we have to deal with them on a daily basis. So using emotions intelligent allows us to guide our behavior and thinking and enhance our results. So build your emotional competence. And some of the, uh, emotional competence is a term that I tend to use. You may know, hear, have heard of it as emotional intelligence, um, but because there's a debate, there's a whole other conversation, there's a debate between whether it should be intelligence or competence. I say it's emotional competence because it can be learned. We're not born with emotional competence. It's a learned skill. So those are the seven keys that I'm leaving you with to help you bring soul into the workplace. Key one, relationships require attention. Key two, one person. Key three, up to the status quo. Key four, choice is an option. Key five, wake up. Key six, everyone wants to be loved. And key seven, emotional competence is necessary. So our, I'm leaving you with your actions for the week. So a couple of things that will be highly beneficial to helping you on this journey of bringing soul into the workplace. Journal about the relationships that you've had and see if they've guided you in the direction of where you are now, lead you away from your purpose. Journal about specifically about the relationships that you've had in your work life. So also on another page, write down all the relationships that are happening in your life right now. And ask yourself, what am I learning from this relationship? What qualities am I developing? Is this relationship my highest good? How can I make this relationship better? Are we learning from each other? What have I learned or am I still learning about myself through this relationship? Are the people empowering and encouraging me to be all that I can be? Within every relationship, that hopefully will learn or still need to learn. 
thank you for being with us this morning. Remember to find us on Facebook at Cut the Crap with Udall. And also you can contact me at Udall at with Udall. And find us here at the same place, same time next week. And we are here on Monday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Namaste.